0: This week's episode is brought to you by the Film Rescue Show. The Film Rescue Show is a long-form podcast in which their crew and a guest fix a film every week. Want a good first episode? Check out episode 89 with Axel and myself, where we pitched fixes for the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen*. Still waiting on that call, Warner Brothers. For fans of filmmaking, writing, and behind-the-scenes content, check out the Film Rescue Show on all your favorite podcasting sites today. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, The Darkest Timeline. I'm Axel Wright, and with me as always is...
0: You know, I brace for the NPR opening every time, and every time it just gets me off guard. This is Lord Commander Ulrich.
1: How you doing today, Ulrich?
0: I'm about to go on vacation after a very long couple of weeks, so I'm in a good mood.
1: Hey, I just went on vacation. I got to go on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> a river boat. Yeah. Don't don't think I went crazy or anything.
0: <laughs> hey, boats are still so cool. I don't care. Uh yeah, I know. Boats on any body of water.
1: Yeah, so I yeah, I went out and hung out with a wretched actually for the weekend. We we talked Warhammer, went on a boat, drank a lot. It was a good time. What are you going to do?
0: I'm going to go camping with my family.
1: All right. Sounds great. Well, before we get into the geeky topic of today's buckler, We do have a patron sound off we need to do, and since this is a buckler, this responsibility, nay, privilege, falls unto me. So, these are our patrons we like to thank for their ongoing support. And by the way, if I sound somewhat lethargic, it is really hot and my AC is not currently working, so I'm doing my best. (laughs) Anyway, they are Pam Galley. Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brendan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kinney, Seth Decker, Jesse Johnston, and Donna Lucy. And if you would like to add, be added to that list of uh, the illustrious Legion, as I've heard Ulrich sometimes call it, all you have to do is go over to our Patreon, and Patreon Geeks with Shields. A dollar a month will get you at minimum 25 cents an episode. We tend to put out more than four things a month. But, you know, sometimes there are ups and downs saying what's going on. But that's the kind of value you're looking at, and everything helps us on this podcast. So, that being said, Ulrich, what are we here to talk about? Well,
0: this week's episode
1: is sp- special,
0: because there's not going to be a long delay between when we record it and when we release it. So we're going to have a fun little personal episode, and we're going to talk about all this wonderful Warhammer news that's been dropped on us over the last few weeks. And oh oh boy, there's a lot of it. By
1: the way, if you're someone who's been listening to us for, you know, a period of time, and uh, maybe you're like, "Ah, I'm not into the Warhammer content. Sorry, we're really into the Warhammer content, so... (laughs) We've been doing a lot of Geeks
0: at Grimdark, and Axel and I very rarely get a chance to sit down and go, hey, did you see all of the blank?
1: Yeah, so and at this point in time, normally we don't give you a a peek behind the curtain, but since the topic of this episode is actually extremely time-sensitive, we're recording this on June 1st of 2021, and there has been a lot of news recently. Last month we had Warhammer Fest which was a five-day online event where they released a bunch of stuff. And since then, we've also had drip feeds of other lots of stuff that's been revealed from Games Workshop. If, again, if you're in the hobby, we've done mostly like lore stuff, but this is mostly model information. There are some books and whatnot. But yeah, it's been a good time <laughs> for the most part to be a Warhammer guy. There's a lot of exciting news anyway.
0: Yeah, so I'm just going to go ahead and open our Discord, which you should join, and scroll back up, because we've been talking a lot about it there, and I honestly can't keep track of everything that's been happening
1: lately. Well, let's see. The I will admit, I am only still tipping my toe in a- Age of Sigmar, so my knowledge is mostly the 40k stuff, even though I paid attention to some of the Age of Sigmar, but I remember one of the first things at Warhammer Fest was a big reveal... For the Sisters of Battle, which is one of my armies and also one of Ulrich's armies, so it's something we can share and talking about. And they are releasing a several new model lines for the Sisters. I, I don't know if "lines" are the correct word, but we've got the Celestian Sacrosanx, which are badass sisters battle. of
0: battle with power halberds and power maces
1: and Thank shields, you. shields too, which give them make them very hard to to kill well, and they're
0: you have lots of shields in 40k we haven't had the sisters. power weapons <laughs> that's true but we haven't had power weapons like this which is what i've been asking for we have power swords and power axes and power hammers where the hell are the power pole arms
1: now we have power halberds even though looking at them i think uh the maces come out much better personally but still for i'm going cool. to
0: steal some of those halberds from other stuff but they they are really cool
1: yeah, so we have the, the Celestian Sacroscience, which is basically a new, probably an elite unit uh, to go along with like your Celestian Guard. They are what look like a heavy melee, hard to unseat, very tough, even though they still only have one wound model, so probably not too expensive. So just make these big blobs of units that are really hard to kill because of their shields, and they can do pretty good because of their maces. In addition to that, we have uh, the Dogmata, which is like a special kind of hq elite kind of battle hymn priest sister with a big mace looking thing that has a couple cool abilities not a whole lot to write home about but it's a really cool model we also have of course we already knew about the paragon war suits but we've seen what they their stat line is now but since that was back from what like february for sure about them we can we can push that off. yeah up the now. paragon
0: war suits are a bit older we got their stats today and i wish they had a better toughness but
1: I don't know. Topless I, five I think is pretty great for also we need to see their cost before we really do yeah that it. They is look true. Like, they look like a pretty good solid unit to me and if they're costed at like well, they're coming in units or the ideas are supposed to be in squads of three from what we can tell so if I'm thinking like seventy point a piece kind of thing eighty yeah. point a piece that would be pretty fair I think so
0: see I gotta remember I'm coming from it from the space marine you know mindset my mind immediately goes to you know the paragon or not Paragon... the uh The whatever the hell the stealth suit is or dreadnoughts, like, no, no, it's not one of those. This is a
1: three toughness army, man. Getting access to five toughness units is awesome, so yeah.
0: Well, honestly, they should be toughness four, but that's a whole other
1: debate. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, hold on. Let's side note here for a second because me and Wretched have this conversation. In my estimation, based on what I can tell, toughness generally denotes, at least in the fluff your physical resilience to damage while your armor dictates your saves and invuln saves so the fact that sisters are regular people means that they are supposed to have a toughness of regular people whatever the guardsman's toughness is the reason they they wear power armor gives them crazy good saves so except
0: it's not true on the tabletop because gravis armor and centurion armor both boost your toughness by 1 to toughness 5.
1: Yes, but I feel like those are more the exceptions than the rule. Like And what about
0: vehicle toughness and armor plating?
1: I think that would be like the ability to keep functioning while damaged.
0: That would be that's with the degradation of wounds. What I'm saying is power No, no, no. Armor... Degradation
1: of wounds is your your Level that's your ability of to keep going, yeah. No, no, because think about it this way, right? Orcs get tough because you could blow off their arm and they can keep on going. Doesn't mean they're going to be as good at doing what they're doing before without an arm, right? So, Space Marines, same deal. It's like you can blow off a Space Marine's arm and he's still going to keep going, but he's not going to be quite as effective. So, same deal here, where like you know, you take a tank or a car and you blow a giant chunk through it and it's got a high toughness because oh, it's missing like a fifth of its engine. It's still going, though, but it's also not going quite as well.
0: (laughs) I'm saying that power armor has weird disparities that make no sense, and either need to reset everyone to a certain level or start treating different marks of power armor differently. And the only reason I think anyone's really opposed to Circe's Battle getting an increased toughness is because their invul saves are crazy, and that, honestly, I would like to see redone, because invul saves are garbage. I don't like invul saves.
1: Yeah, I, I like invuln saves, especially because the way sisters invuln saves tend to work is they just have a six up normal that gets increased by things like having Celestine around. Which makes I, I sense. don't. So. I'm
0: okay with a six plus invuln on certain models, but when you start manipulating it and adding things to it, you start going down the
1: Death Guard route and fuck their nonsense. Uh, Disgusting resilient. Well. I personally think if we have these kind of questions, then for me the solution would be to keep it consistent to change things like that grav armor you talk about, because again, it makes perfect sense to me that toughness is not your armor. Toughness is your is the person under is the thing under the armor. So that's the same reason. Like I think about literally with my two armies, orcs and sisters are opposite in this. Sisters have low toughness and high saves because they have power armor orcs don't wear armor but they're really hulking so they have high toughness and no saves
0: yeah i don't know we could also go no i'm not going to touch the female space marines here that's its
1: own yeah but Anyway, anyway there's a long side note to say that as far as i'm concerned every argument i've heard about sisters going up to up toughness doesn't work for me and instead the the examples given are more like, no, that should be fixed, not the other way around. Plus, sisters are really good right now, and they don't need the... Oh, yeah, no,
0: sisters are race. really solid. It's just, it's, it's a weird little thing. Uh, we anyway. also got that that banner bearer. I want to know your thoughts on this one, because this is kind of a controversial one.
1: I just have no interest in it. I need to see what it's it really can do. Has, it, has its stats been revealed? I think it has, right? No, and historically... Nope not yet and historically banner
0: bearers in 40k have really been underwhelming like i have a bunch of ancients in my army because i build for fluff reasons more than you know anything else but i never I don't think i've ever ran an ancient in my army because they're just like if you're standing next to this one you get plus one to this and it's like well i run pretty mobile so and it's kind of yeah. a point sink for a small buff
1: and plus, I've also realized that my sister's army is leaning towards Hero Hammer, which doesn't bother me, but you know. So yeah, no, that's why for me, the big exciting thing, and I think for a lot of people, the big exciting thing was the reveal of a character named Morven Vall, the new High Abbess of the Sisters of Battle, the next Supreme Commander capable unit after uh, Silent King, I think, was the only one before. And, uh, a generally awesome model that from what I can tell, there are a lot of people online who there's contention about the Paragon Warsuits. I personally like them. I get why some people don't like them, but I feel like even the people who didn't like the Paragon Warsuits like more of involves model. So
0: it's a sick model with scary ass rules. Holy hell.
1: No. Yeah. I'm super looking forward to it. I love the, I love the Holy Aegis just having all damage. It's no, it's no profit of Gork and Mork, but it's, it's pretty good rule. (laughs) It's a scary
0: good rule and it makes me look at Gilliman going, Oh god damn it, you know what? They just you were too soon.
1: I don't know. I was looking I was really comparing her to Guilliman, and I feel like she is meant to be something between Gilliman and Valor Valoris, the, the custodies guy. Yeah. So He's she's really meant good to
0: still be still too.
1: Yeah, she's meant to be in between them, I feel like. Like really looking at their rules, I think Gilliman would have like an like, considering that roles are random, I still feel like he'd have, like, an 80% win rate in a straight fight the against her. The only
0: problem with Gilliman, we we'll have to see where she comes in, is Gilliman is just so overpriced right now.
1: Ah, yeah, I was thinking about that. And so, on the opposite side, I feel like Gazkul is underpriced, all things considered, even though he's my favorite model I own. Because Gazkul comes out at 300, and Gilliman is, what, four-something? Four... I think he's down...
0: <sighs> I don't have my codex available, but he came down, but he's still above 400.
1: Yeah, because I know that Magnus is like 450 or 460, which is one of the highest ones I've seen. I think mm-hmm. Gielman is around 400. So I was personally thinking, looking at Morvin Vol's rules and sheet and stats, I was thinking like 370 would be a good spot for her personally.
0: Yeah, and Warhammer's kind of in a weird place because at the beginning of this latest edition, they just kind of bumped the point ceiling on
1: everybody. Well, it feels like Games Workshop is slowly moving towards a fewer but stronger models. Not like extremely fewer, there's nothing wrong with a good Horde army, but all the costs have gone up, a lot of the stats have gone up, we've creeped a little bit, but your general amount of models has gone down. So and just,
0: I'm okay with it because I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to avoid what happened with Warhammer Fantasy and what happened at you know the beginning uh, when I back when I started getting into 40k and seventh edition is you needed so many models just to play a small game that it took forever to work up to that.
1: Yeah, whereas I, I mean that's probably like why they it's why they made those combat patrol boxes. One box and you can play the game.
0: Yeah, they really are trying to get as little downtime between I'm interested in this and playing it. And honestly I just play slightly bigger games. That's all you got to do. You play a little bit bigger. It runs about the same amount of time. You just kind of adjust for that. That's at least what I've seen people do, and that's what I plan to do.
1: Well, also, they need to not kill Kill Team, because I have seen firsthand that Kill Team is an amazing tool for getting people into this hobby. So I
0: think Kill Team's fine. It survived the Pariah Nexus box debacle, so...
1: Yeah, there's just a lot of, like, rumors about... We're all looking forward to, like, a Kill Team too, but, and, you know, among my group, we still... Even though I have about 3k worth of orcs and about 1,300 worth of sisters, I still have only played one Combat Patrol, and I've played mostly Kill Team games still. So, and, you know, my friends have large armies too, but we just haven't got around to playing them, but we still play Kill Team a bunch. So, you know, I feel like it just depends on mood, but the fact that you can do it with you know less than 10 models it's such a good way to get someone to you know put their feet in the water so yeah no i think it'll just be a matter
0: of moving it closer to where the rules for 40k are so it's more one-to-one you can go kill team yes funny about team, that i was just talking
1: team. yeah i was just talking with wretched and my buddy dan this weekend and we were talking about that and we feel like Warhammer itself should take some stuff from Kill Team, particularly the big thing all of us don't like about 40K from a uh, from a game perspective. Or is the whole I take my entire turn and you sit there and wait, and then you take your entire turn. Kill Teams alternating shooting and alternating fighting feels a lot more uh, engaging, where you're taking a more active role. And you don't spend as much, don't have as much downtime, and we think that that should be ported it over to the proper or to the, the main game. Oh
0: that's its own debate amongst you know borrowing from Age of Sigmar. And honestly, I wouldn't be opposed to individual activations. I think it would give a bigger level of strategy and would really kind of cut down on they've done a lot to nuke Alpha Striking, but I still think that it would help shift a lot of the meta.
1: Anyway, because this is supposed to be a buckler and we're already uh, our time is already going. What's another thing they reveal that you wanted to talk about?
0: I'm um, trying to think. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff. In the sisters, the cool tanks, um, the actually we're going to tip back to you because I want to get your opinion. The new beast claw snaggers, the beast, beast snaggers. snaggers and the plus toughness to orcs and all that fun insanity because you were also an orc player.
1: Alright, here's the thing about that. I have complex emotions about it. First of all, when the Beast Snagas were first revealed, I loved them. I went out and bought a box of Iron Jaws, a Star Collecting Box, so I could use the Ard Boys and put gun arms on them for my boys' bits and have some armored orcs of my my boys' horde. And the gorguntas, which are boar-riding orcs for those who don't know, uh, I left largely unmodified because the Beast Snaga models look like they just use spears as well. Spears with rockets attached to them, but still just spears. So I figured I could run my Gore Gruntas as Beast Snagas. And the new Beast Snagas boys that the community is lovingly calling lads are such a good-looking sculpt. They look great. And, of course, the community likes to call them Primaris orcs. And then we got the wow. rules, which, which basically proved they kind of are primaris orcs so for those who don't know in the rules the orcs in general are getting a bump in toughness from four to five which who i don't know how to explain this but when you go from toughness three to four that's a pretty big jump when you go from four to five that's a huge jump it's way more of a jump than three to four the number of The number of wound rolls that are going to be better for orcs is much, much higher in that jump. So that's a a huge deal. How I feel about that inherently, um, I can take it or leave it. I think the orcs were functioning and performing just fine at four toughness, but again, the general movement of the game seems to be moving towards a smaller amount of tougher units and... I will admit that a squad of 30 boys at now toughness five is going to be a lot more hard to unseat. And so uh, the age of men is over. Anyway, as for the Beast Snagger boys, which I have much more, conf- even more conflicted feelings about, because, again, I love their sculpts. Their stat line has an extra strength. So they're at, at five strength, five toughness, which is good, but. I actually really just wanted them to be boys, just regular old boys that I could mix in with my boys. And now that they have their own stat line, it means that they are either a separate unit, which if they're not troops is going to upset me. And with the stat line increase, it, I feel it's probably more likely they're going to be elites. And either that, or they're like a stratagem increase, something like hard boys, and that would be fine. But still my, Plan was to buy the Beast Snaggers box so that with those twenty Beast Snagger boys, that would bring my collection up to sixty Orc boys, which is two 30 thirty-man squads, which is all you really need. But now, if they're going to be something different, it kind of throws a big hole in my plan, and it makes me it makes me wonder if I even want the Beast Snaggers box, or I'll just wait to get them as like their own sculpt later. I I don't know. I have very conflicted feelings about it.
0: I'll weigh in and put my two cents. In that I think they're going to fill the same role that Primaris fill in Space Marine armies, of this is a slightly better, slightly more expensive troop choice.
1: If they stay troops, I'll be happy.
0: And it was just kind of a way of like, let's be honest, the Orc Boys sculpt is ridiculously out of date.
1: I know I still like it, but it, I do. I'm like not the saying it's arc. I'm not
0: saying it's bad. I'm saying it is old and out of date. That's fair. And games workshop kind of has a theory it's like how do we convince players especially orcs you got a lot of boys how do we convince them to switch on um, by you know new models you have the necron approach where you just remake the new old models into new ones and hope people replace the old ones and you have the primaris approach of here's a new shiny thing play with this instead
1: yeah so that's why i really need to see what I wish that they would have revealed what the, the Beast Nekka Boys are. I just want to know if they're troops or not, because that's going to change yeah. entirely what I think about them. I mean, them. they've
0: got their own keyword and special rule for that, you know, 6-up invul save.
1: Exactly. So I just need to know.
0: 6-up uh, invul save isn't bad. Well, I don't know. I'm actually I'm actually happy with this because... Orcs have kind of always sat at the bottom, but they've been fun. And I just kind of hope this, you know, builds more orc players. Hold on. Hold on. What on was...
1: earth are you talking about? Orcs have never been at the bottom. Orcs have been, ever since like second edition, from what I can tell, orcs have always been fine to great, never been bad.
0: <laughs> okay, you're right. B- well, they were good in seventh, eighth. Beginning of 8th, they were ridiculously broken because, of course, people find ways. With... I will say on that, I am kind of annoyed that people are already trying to figure out how to break the this new the new Beast Nagas and the new toughness rules. Which makes me feel like this is why we can't ever have nice things. Again, as, as
1: for the, the invuln save thing, too, is a little odd to me. It, a more reason why I think they're going to be elites and not boys. But, I mean, you can already get that by running Death Skulls. I, admittedly, most competitive lists run either death Skulls or evil Suns, so it basically gives you uh, evil Suns units that have a invulnerable save, unless they are specifically required in snake bites, like like uh, flash kits are with free buddhas, which is a possibility. They look very snake bitey. I hope that's not the case. But again, like the stat line's great, the sculpt is great, but I can't make any judgment calls until I see where they're supposed to fit in in a list building exercise. That is true.
0: If they are elite, it's going to be a whole other ball game than if they're just a slightly more expensive troop choice. But I feel like they are being built to be their own run-alone faction, but I don't know. I'm happy to see orcs getting tougher, because I like fighting orcs, and I don't fight nearly enough orcs, because they've never been great. Well, again, that's not true. Beginning of 7th or 8th, they were ridiculously broken. Beginning Everyone of 9th, they them. were
1: great, too, so... There was that time for like uh it was like a three-month period where Salamanders and Orcs were topping all the tournaments. That the joke I remember because the green will rise to the top was the joke, the memes all going around. So point is though, orcs are never bad. They're always a, at least a B tier that sometimes jump up to A and S tier. Never for very long, but all right, and then the last
0: thing I wanted to talk about, which we can kind of make short sure, because we don't have a lot of information, is Warhammer Plus.
1: Yeah, that one's... So I've been perusing Grimdank, which is the Reddit that shares, like, memes for 40k and stuff. And there is this interesting kind of back and forth where people recognize that, you know, Games Workshop is treating fan animators both well and not well. Well by doing things like hiring the guy who made Astartes to work directly for them. That's awesome. Not well by striking down other fan animations which is stuff that they haven't done in you know not since i guess the dark times that Sotek told us about so that's a that's a bad sign the actual plus series and then you get people saying like well they make the series and then people are gonna just pirate it and it's not gonna be profitable and then none of the shows will get a second season then don't
0: fucking pirate yet jackasses
1: yeah, exactly. So it's like I'm it's sorry, I re- have
0: zero tolerance for the pirating. No, it is never ethical. It is never okay. You are stealing from people. Accept that or don't. Don't try and pretend it's anything but.
1: Um. Okay. I would argue that there are some cases where pirating can be ethical, but that's another discussion entirely. And I'm not going to say that this situation is one of them necessarily, but I. But you know me, I'm very anti extremes and all encompassing sentences. That's a
0: philosophical debate, but I just, I'm of the mind there is no ethical piracy. It just, I don't see it, but
1: go on. Yeah. Anyway, my point was I haven't watched the first five minutes of that Blood Angels show yet. I've heard it's pretty good, but I just haven't got around to watch it. I've been really busy. And again, Astartes is great. So Astartes Part 2 sounds wonderful. I know some people were upset that a show called Iron Within is about guardsmen and not the Iron Hands. So, but. Other than that, again, we need to see more of what's happening with it. We also need to see more details, that, like how much it's going to cost. I mean, if, it, if it's like... I, I, this comes back all the way back to the streaming wars we talked about a long time ago. It kind of sucks that we basically reverted to a cable package kind of system where now all this stuff is on individual payment plans. And honestly, unless Warhammer greatly increases its output, you know, it's not the kind of thing that's necessarily worth it individually, but you've got a giant world and a giant setting. So there's no reason or I mean there is a reason, but there is potential there. So yeah, I'd like to see if if how do I put it? If I could see like two really good shows come out of it, that'd be enough for it to be, you know, worth it up to a Netflix style cost, you know? But Again, depends on there's a lot of variables there. We just don't have uh-huh. enough yet, and that's kind of what I wanted to
0: talk about kind of talk on is one it was it was not a good presentation. that did not help them in any way. I mean, having the and here's the show, and then a small sound clip over a black screen. I don't know who okayed that one, but and then ending on Warhammer Plus and then we'll tell you more in a month again. Not not a not a smart move there, G Dub. Yeah, but the way I look at it, it's like this is cool. I love Warhammer, but I cannot conceive of anything they can possibly offer me that's going to entice me to give Games Workshop even more of my money on a monthly basis. Because a lot of people say, "Well, what if they have battle reports? I already have tons of free battle reports. I don't have time to watch, anyways." Well, what if they offer you know access to the digital list builder? I prefer analog building my list. Well, what if they give you audiobooks? I have a mountain of books I haven't read yet. I don't have time for audiobooks. There's just nothing I'm seeing in the, personally that's like, no, no, this is something I need.
1: Yeah, no. What I what I would require from them is to do more things like Guardsmen or Astartes and original official material with proper funding and and the kind of stuff that you know there are people out there who have Disney Plus so that they could watch, you know, Marvel's stuff or Star Wars stuff like back in the day or right now. I feel like Netflix for me is like I want to watch stand up comedy and Netflix is where all the stand up comics went. So you have to have the material, the content to support that kind of decision. And it looks like they're trying. That's a pretty large launch list. Uh, compared to something like HBO Max's pathetic showing when they when they started. But even HBO Max got like Barry, which I love. So
0: HBO Max has they have they own enough stuff they can fill in the gaps.
1: Yeah. So that's that's the biggest thing right now is that from what we can tell, Warhammer Plus is going to have to have a lot more straight original content. And I don't know what their behind the scenes business allocations are like, but I don't know if they have the capital to make that to make that work so i i have nothing but hope that it does work because i love this hobby and i like games workshop i like the warhammer setting i'd love to see stories set in it animated or live action or whatever i really want them to be good but you know i'm also realist and the streaming wars are a thing and there's so many options and so limited money like as you just said I already spend a lot of money uh, on Games Workshop stuff. I just bought. I am looking to my right right now. There is an unopened box of Battle Sisters, Storm Boys, a mech gun, and another Battle Sister box. Like, I'm already giving them a lot of money a month, as you just said. So they need to really justify it, something like that. Yeah, also, hey, this- I know this sounds piracy adjacent, but they. If you really want people to – if you want to get customers in something like this, make sure you don't dick over people who have like sharing their account with their friends. Yeah, you can keep it limited like Netflix does, but you're going to get a lot more people who are – give it a shot when you can have like four people on one account, you know?
0: Yeah, and that was just kind of what I wanted to say is like I'm going to be optimistic. I don't think Games Workshop is really this stupid – but then there was the whole cursed City debacle, so who knows. But when you were already taking so much money from your community and going, hey, how about a couple dollars more for some really cool animation? And that's the other thing. If it's only like five, 10 minutes of animation, because animation is ridiculously expensive, how fast will you run out of content? So maybe when Warhammer Plus finally comes out and have to do some stuff, we'll do a whole another episode kind of talking about it and going, yeah, this is good or no, this, this, this is not good.
1: One more topic for this extended buckler. The Stormcast Eternals, which I used to dislike until so- Loremaster of Sotek gave me reason to find them far more interesting, are getting a, you want to call it a Celestine equivalent? Big That's going to and- be
0: – she's getting converted into a cell Slagathor has told me that I have to buy two now because she wants to paint one, and then I can convert the other one.
1: <laughs> Point is, that model is sick. The The Stormcast line in general looks great. So does the Vampire line. I'm not really into them much myself, but the, the wolf vampire thing going on and the, the one centaur bat lady. Like, AOS models are still eating 40K's models lunch. Like yeah. I, no. I like 40K more, but AOS has the better models, period. <laughs> AOS has really been on a hot streak. Like,
0: again, I still don't like Stormcast, but I finally figured out why. It's because they just they don't have any stakes for me. Mm. Um, but I, I'm looking at some of those models going, oh, I can convert those into some cool-ass space marines. And turn one into an
1: Inquisitor, so.
0: Yeah, and the whole... Uh, the Cruel Boys, why I don't like the name... I love that radical redesign of orcs. That's so cool. Okay.
1: Real quick thing about that, because that's a causing a fight in the fan base right now. Of course. I understand that shift for those orc units, the way they talk about it in the case that that's going to be more like what the AOS orcs look like going forward. Okay, fine. I'm not an AOS orcs player. And I always, one of the reasons why I wasn't drawn to orcs in AOS like I am in 40k is because fantasy and AOS orcs are a lot less goofy. So designing them to be less goofy, okay, fine. I would still really like to, it's too strong a sentence to say keep that design away from 40k, but I feel like don't get rid of the goofy orcs. You want to have the non-goofy orcs? Fine, but don't get rid of the goofy orcs as well. Like they can coexist. I think that's important.
0: Interesting. I, I've seen people like some people don't like the design. I like it. I respect it as a different. You still got the other ones over here.
1: I, I personally don't like it because they look they skew far too close to Lord of the Rings orcs, which makes them a They're... lot less standoutish to me. But I can Understand and recognize why someone else would like them, especially in the AOS and fantasy setting where orcs are less of a joke and more of a serious thing. S- but I'm, I'm allowed, say, ironically,
0: to... I feel they fit better in the universe than the standard old fantasy
1: orcs in the AOS universe. I would say, yeah, no, yeah, you put those why, suckers in 40 40k, saying.
0: it's like, no, that, that's not my orcs,
1: yeah, that's uh, I hate that sentence, but yeah, that's I, the, I, it's, you're right. And I don't know, orcs,
0: we may do an episode on orcs since we're just kind of pitching stuff to the wind about the weird teeter-totter balance that is orcs silly versus serious and striking that perfect balance that kind of creates the overallness of orcs.
1: Yeah, I just want to be very clear that while I'm very much, you know, keep my goofy orcs, I'm not like get rid of these serious orcs. You can have them, just just don't get rid of the goofy ones.
0: <laughs> I don't think they're going to because... If they continue to sell, that's the thing, guys. If the models continue to sell, or even if they don't, Eldar is still around. I don't know a single Eldar player. If you're an Eldar player, let me know.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I know one Eldar player, my buddy Dan. So, well, technically, technically, Dan is a Admech, Eldar, and Death Watch player. So,
0: got his bases covered.
1: Yeah. Anyway, this buckler has gone on twice the length of a normal buckler, so I think it's about time we we wrap this up. Maybe we could do this again sometime when more, because we still didn't touch on any of the, like the books or uh, there's more AOS stuff. I know that we didn't touch, and though there's like stuff about Dan Abnett's characters, like imp guard guys, oh, yeah, that we, are we, that, oh. we didn't even touch that. So maybe we'll do another one of these sometime if people are interested, or maybe just because we want to because we like Warhammer and we talk Warhammer, <laughs> so. This may become a Patreon series. We'll see. All right. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all those things. The more people see this, the more we grow, the more we grow, the more we can do. I am too melting to come up with something more specific and unique. But I'm sorry. I'm trying. Anyway, Ulrich,
0: what are we what are they listening to us on? Well, hopefully you're listening to us on one of these fine, fine stations. If not, cool. And those fine stations are SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, Stitcher, Google Play, PocketCast, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Now, if we are appearing on one of these podcasts we didn't list, please let us know. We'd like to look into that. And if we aren't on your preferred podcast list, let us know because we want to be there. That way you can listen to us legally because there's no such thing as ethical piracy.
1: As always, this has been Axel Wright. And it's brother, Lord Commander Ulrich. Be sure to tune in next time. And as always, stay honorable.